thank you so much, uh, CMU, the workshop that we get to have. Um, it's just so cool to see different Kings ministries and leaderships from uh, just all over the nation be able to drive up here and spend time with us. Uh, and I really pray that the, the speakers this, this weekend can really give uh, some maturity and some, and some things that they uh, have just identified through scriptures themselves to help communicate what you really want us to empower, uh, teach and train our leaders and our campus ministries with uh, to go back and just change the world in our, in our uh, cultures and in our schools um, and in our backgrounds that we choose to go home to work. So I pray this in Son's name. Amen. Amen. Alright, so you know, looking over uh, my topic was idolatry. And if you know anything about Babylon and if you've read through Daniel, you guys can see tons of idolatry. You know, you look at Rachel and Shaq a minute ago. And you know, before I even knew that story uh, was in the Bible, you know, I grew up on VeggieTales. Who grew up on VeggieTales in here? Alright? And so that's you know, I, I literally thought that the statue was a bunny. You know, I thought they were like, whenever I was going to read through the, the scriptures for the first time, because I, I didn't go reading the Bible, I grew up just watching the tales of Sunday school. And so whenever I read that story for the first time, I'm like, wait, it's not a bunny? Like, it was an actual gold statue. And you see those different things through there, and you see Daniel not wanting to bow down. And so we see multiple times in the book of Daniel that there's this idea um, that there's idols. And that these idols are things that not just a few people in a, in a certain civilizations worship, but it was the it was the majority. It was the popular vote in those times. And so when we look at idols and we look at that idea, I don't necessarily think here in America we have these big statues like they did in Daniel. But idolatry is still the popular vote. It's still the, it's still the most popular thing in our cultures to bow down to. It just takes a different form today. It takes a different image. And so what we're going to do in this class and we're going to just kind of look at is if you know anything about me, I'm very practical. Um, I like to just get straight to the point, what we see in our lives, what we see in our hearts, and what we need to do to, to overcome those things and start working on those things. That's what we're going to talk about today. It's just some, just some typical things that I really do feel like as a society we bow down to um, and just some certain ways that we can really attack and figure out how we can really bow down to God instead of uh, the things that we see in the world. Okay? Um, so to start off, you know, I think the first thing that we bow down to, I, I label as the normal. You know, I think we bow down to the normal. And when you think about what the normal is, I think it is what you see every single day. You know, when you look into your life, and when you look at the people you go to school with, and you look at the people that you work with, and you look at the people in your house, there's a normal vibe that goes on, right? How the world wants us to look, how the world wants us to be seen, that's called the normal. And anything we do outside of that is an outcast, right? It's an outsider's opinion. It's an outsider's view on life. And from a lot of you guys, you're unchurched. You didn't grow up in a church background. You didn't grow up in a house or a home. And so a lot of my campus ministry students have a lot of issues at home with their families because their families are trying to produce this norm that's always been there. And whenever Christianity shows up, it's not the norm. And so there's a lot of issues that go on in people's houses to this idea of the norm. You know, it says in Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Right there, right? Don't conform to the norm of what you see in the world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And when you guys think about this idea that's normal, you know, think about the things in your life that people try 
to be normal about. You know, think about the peer pressures, the acceptance that you guys see. A significant other, maybe. You know, you look at your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husband, your wife, whatever it is, and they want to pull you away from this idea, this lifestyle of Christ, because it's not normal. It's not. It's not real, and it's not what everybody sees as acceptable in the world. Um, Think about our boldness and our evangelism as Christians. Our job is supposed to go into schools. We're supposed to go into our words. We're supposed to go into these homes and these families. We're supposed to be the light. Well, the light isn't the norm here on earth, right? It's not, it's not the popular vote. So whenever you're sitting in a classroom full of darkness and you're supposed to be that bright, shining light, that's not fitting in. That's not normal at all. Yet that's what we're called to do. Think about the rejection that you can have in your relationship with your friends. You know, when you become a Christian, more a lot of people have friends. You know, believe it or not, they had friends before they became a Christian. And so going back to those relationships and transforming that norm, that fear that comes on, that's like, man, if I start talking to these friends about what my life is like now, we may not be friends anymore. Or there may be a change in the relationship. And so this whole idea of being normal is what we want to conform to. It's what we want to bow to, and we want to fit in. This whole idea of rejection, anxiety, everything that goes on with the normal are things that we want to bow down to. Well, when you look at Jesus' life and Jesus' ministry, it was anything but, right? Pharisees hated Jesus. The whole, the whole world hated Jesus, right? He had a small circle of disciples, but outside of that, the world rejected Jesus. And when you guys think about Jesus, you know, Jesus is the perfect example of what it looks like to live outside the means of the norm. Because Jesus didn't come to earth to meet a standard. Jesus came to set a standard. That's what he was born to do. He was born to set a new standard here on earth and not come and try to fit into the margins of what is acceptable here on earth. And you were born for that same reason. You guys were born to no longer meet the standards of what the world sees as acceptable but you guys are born to set a new standard here on earth. And it's your job to figure out how to do that. It says in Galatians 1.10, Am I now trying to win the approval of humans or of God? Or am I just trying to please people? If I'm trying to please people, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. You know, that was one of the, that was one of the very first verses that I memorized as I became a Christian. Because peer pressure was huge to me. Being an athlete, being conformed to a certain clique and a group, it was so hard to live outside of those means, to be the athlete, the cool-looking guy at school, but then to go out and then find these guys that aren't very popular or very, aren't very socially accepted um, and to treat them just like those guys. Because you guys know what it's like to be in high school, right? You guys know what the clicks look like. You know what it's like to get up and go sit at a different lunch table, right? It's, it's so backwards, but yet that's what God intended us to do. So, here's the result of worshiping the normal. Hypocrisy. If you want to look at the result of what worshiping the normal is, is it's hypocrisy. Because you can still claim to be a Christian whenever you want to be normal, but yet what you're showing the world is something completely different. And so, you know, when you look at the idea of being normal and you want to bow down to that idol, that's what you're going to get out of that idol. It's hypocrisy. It says in 1 Timothy 4.16, we all know this verse. Watch your life and God more closely. Because if you do, you're going to save both you and the people around you. Being a Christian is anything but normal. If you've experienced ministry for any amount of time in your life, you know that the things that happen in your life 
are not normal. The people that you come into contact with are not normal. The things that God asks you to do on a day-to-day -day basis are not normal. And so that's our first idol that I think we really try to bow down to is the normal. The second one is the church. I think a lot of times we look at this and we bow down to a church. And I want to be, I want to be very careful how I say this because I don't want you guys to think that I'm saying something that's misconstrued. But I think sometimes we get into a church and we become a member and we focus more on being a member than being a disciple. And if anyway, this is probably for more of our older folks in here, more of our experienced Christians who have seen multiple churches, they know exactly what I'm talking about. And when you guys look in churches and when you guys go to certain congregations and you guys get involved in churches more and more, it becomes more about following people and not following Christ. It becomes more of a clique and who's more popular. Um, and there's no growth. It becomes you not seeking out the truth, but choosing to follow a person instead. Listen to this. This is 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 5. And this is, um, you know, this is uh, Paul talking. And it says, Brothers and sisters, I cannot address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly. So he's talking to the people of the church. Mere infants in Christ. I give you milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. You're still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, you're, are you not worldly? Are you still not acting like humans? For one says, I follow Paul. And another says, I follow Apollos. Are you not yet mere human beings? What after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned this to each task. You know, I grew up in a church, it was called a church, it was a church of God uh, out in Woodrow, Illinois. It was a really small church. And there were only two names in that church. The Greers and the Hales. Those are their last names. And if you weren't a Greer and you weren't a Hale, you weren't expected to do anything in that church but show up on Sunday and give your money. They were in charge of everything. They were the preachers. They were the youth ministers. They were whatever it was. And they didn't want anybody else to be in charge of anything. It was their responsibility to own that church and take control of that church. And when I look back at that now, it was insane to see how dead that church was the entire time I was there. And actually, after I graduated high school and I went into um, to college, I stopped going to church there. And the Greer family actually took a job at another church that same summer. And the crazy thing was, as soon as they left, so did 65% of the membership. You know? And to think that that church had that kind of just fellowship was ridiculous. You know, and so when we think about the society like I'm talking about the church today, <clears throat> I want you guys to understand that what I'm saying is, is that you shouldn't be in a, in a church and you shouldn't not be involved in a church, but you shouldn't bow down to a church. You shouldn't just follow blindly. It's your role and responsibility as a disciple to grow for yourself. And so many times as a Christian myself, you know, I've cut corners and there's been a lot of times where I really haven't gotten growth, but I just went blindly to somebody that I really respect. I'm like, what should I do? What should I do? Tell me what I should do. You know? And I've never looked in Scripture myself. And I've followed blindly these people time and time again. And I look at my life now and, you know, to be honest, the people who discipled me that made me who I am today are no longer a part of my life. And that was a very hard tear for me to pull apart from that church and from that congregation because I had followed so blindly at times that I don't really care you know, if what you're saying is right or wrong spiritually, but I really respect you as a person. And I'm going to follow you 
ride or die, you know? And then when I look at this, it finally came to a point where I had to look at my life and I had to look at my relationships and I had to look at the scripture and I had to say, I love you and I care for you, but this is completely wrong. The way that you're acting, the way that you're treating certain people, this is wrong. So I'm not going to follow this church. I'm not going to bow down to this church anymore. I'm going to do what's right. And the whole reason that we're talking about this is because I want you guys to understand that you guys should be growing as disciples. You should not be following blindly. And you shouldn't just be another member. You shouldn't just be another person in the crowd on a Sunday day. The result of bowing down to a church is immaturity. It says in Hebrews 5.12, Although by this time you ought to be teachers, you need somebody to reteach you the basic principles of God's Word. You need milk, not solid food. He's saying you, sh you guys should be growing. You guys, if you're not in a leadership role in this room, and if you're not being an intern, you're not being trained, and you've been in the, in the church for a few years now, what the heck are you doing? Why, why are you even here? Why, what, is, what is the purpose of being a part of God's ministry if you don't want to own God's ministry. And so, don't just be a part of the church. Don't just come around because it's fun and you like the campus ministry and you think how cool it is. It's time to grow up and it's time to start being disciples. It's, start, it's time to start being the teachers that you ought to be by now. And not just being the same low, you know, don't be the low of the standard. Somebody, somebody told me a few, a few months ago, you know, I'm a new campus minister and just trying to figure out you know, how to how our ministry grow and how to have our guys you know step up and do certain things and take on certain tasks in the campus ministry. And one of the guys that you know that that, that mentors me says, you know, what what is the standard of your campus ministry? Well I was like, well we have these forerunners that kind of set the pace for us. And he goes, no, the standard of your ministry is is the weakest of your ministry. Because when somebody new comes into the church and they come to your campus ministry, they're going to find the weakest person and they're going to imitate that. And that's exactly what your campus ministries are going to do too. They're going to find the weakest person and that's going to be their standard. Well, he didn't have to come to church on Sunday. He had to work. So I think I got work too, right? Well, he didn't have to be at this thing. He, did, he doesn't study the Bible people because he says he doesn't know the scriptures. And I don't know the scriptures, so I should. And we find the lowest person and we, we imitate that. Well, let's set that standard. Let's raise that bar and let's no longer just be somebody that just comes to be a part of the church, but we want to be part of God's ministry. So, we talk about the normal. That's something we bow down to. We talk about the church. And lastly, we bow down to the flesh. You know, this is, the, this is I think, the most obvious one and the most dangerous one because it's, it's the most apparent in our lives, the flesh. So in Romans 7.25, so then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. And again in Romans 8, 5, it says, For those who live according to flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. What do you guys set your minds on from day-to-day -day lifestyle? What, what's, what's always going on in our minds throughout our day? The money. That's, that's, for me, money is huge. Trying to figure out how I'm going to get my next bill paid. Trying to figure out how we can get on top, how we can get ahead. You know, whatever it is, A, B, or C, I want to figure out how I'm going to pay off my car, how I'm going to pay off A, B, whatever it is. Money is always on my mind. Your time. You know, figuring out what do you do with your time? What what do we do with our free time? Where where are we? Who are we hanging out with? How long are we sleeping in? How long 
Are we spending time with one another? How, how many times are we just by ourselves? You know? Uh, our relationships, you know? Clicks. Are, are there certain people that you will only hang out with if they're there to hang out? You know, this, this is something funny that, you know, whenever I was, you know, I've been in ministry probably 10 years or so in campus ministry, and there were multiple times where we'd be like, hey, man, we got some people coming over. You want to come over? And my favorite response was people were like, who's all there? <laughs> I don't know if Jesus might show up, you know, maybe, maybe you should show up too, you know? And looking at these, it's like, who's all there? Who's all there? And they got the moment like, it shouldn't matter who's there, right? You're, you're a disciple. You should, if you're at home by yourself, I know who you're not there with, right? You're just there by yourself. Get out. Go do stuff with people. Go spend time and invest in your ministries. Go do things with those relationships, right? And then, you know, even our own interests. What, what do you do with your own interests? What is your mind set on? What are your hobbies? What, what sports do you play? What do you do in your free time? Are you making those things more important than bowing down to something else? It says in Philippians 2, 3-4, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of their others. And so, when you think about this idea of the flesh, there's so many different things, and I could plan on this for a long time. And just thinking about all the different ideas and the different things that we can do. But the result with the flesh is death. It says in Romans 8, 6, If our minds are ruled by our desires, we will die. But if our minds are ruled by the Spirit, we will have life and peace. And so just with the whole idea of the flesh, just re reminding yourselves that It's hard for me to talk about some of these things because I do like I do like a lot of stuff, right? I, I have a lot of interests in life that um, they're good, you know. I, I like going out and playing sports. I like board games. I like parties. I like doing a lot of this stuff. But when you read this verse and it says, "If our minds are ruled by desire, or yeah, but if our minds are ruled by the spirit, we'll have life and peace." Um, oh wait, I wrote the wrong one. Philippians two, when it talks about do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of your others. You know, that's what the flesh is meant to be designed as, as a Christian. And you know, a lot of times we want to bring in these things. That, because before you're a Christian, you had interests, right? You know, we look at our interests before we became a Christian. Whatever we did and whatever we involved ourselves in. And then, you know, we, we become a Christian and we want to bring those interests with us. And I think that's totally fine. And I think that God wants us to use our interests because he does tell us to fight to the nations, go out and be an example to the, the whole world, um, be all men to all nations. And so I think that there is this idea that, you know, we are, we are adding a piece to the puzzle when we become a Christian, right? We are adding something new and something with our interests and our hobbies that can, can extend our ministries out. But then I think sometimes we do have to be real with ourselves and ask ourselves if our interests are really an opportunity or if they're just still our interests and we're just kind of BSing it. And I hope you guys understand what I'm saying here because everything is an opportunity, right? Everything we do is an opportunity. But with that being said, doesn't mean it's a good opportunity. And so many times we'll have people, and I've done this myself in my life too, 
where I've lied to myself or I try to lie to the other people around me and say, I'm doing this because it's an opportunity, right? I'm going out, I'm playing basketball six times a week because it's an opportunity with these guys, right? Or I'm going out and I'm playing whatever card game or I'm, I'm working out eight days a week or I'm doing whatever it is because it's an opportunity. But when I'm real with myself, I'm like, nah, I'm just doing it because I like it. You know, I'm just doing it because it's fun and I enjoy it and it's something that really is cool. But I'm going to tell everybody it's an opportunity. And I'm not demeaning anything. What I'm saying is, this shouldn't, I'm not saying you're going to go home and like cancel out whatever you do. I'm saying be honest with yourself and manage your time better. Because some of these areas can be opportunities and they should be opportunities, but they're not established opportunities. <coughs> and so instead of you pouring 40 hours a week into these opportunities, maybe incorporate some of your Christian brothers and sisters into that as well, but don't invest everything in that. Because our lives here on earth are short. And don't waste a ton of years on a little opportunity where you're planting a few seeds. Whenever you have established campus ministries, they're out there planting hundreds of seeds a day. Don't seclude yourself because you have a specific opportunity that you're only going to plant a few seeds throughout the years that you're going to struggle with this. But at the same time, you neglect your campus ministry that has a mission to plant seeds every single day. You can continue to BS the people around you, but you can't BS God. It says in Hebrews 4.13, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before Him who we must give an account. Address that. Talk to your small group. Talk to the people in your campus ministries about that. Try to figure out, you know what, I do have an opportunity. I do feel like God is wanting to use me in this area and I have a passion for this. How can I balance that with campus ministry? How can we incorporate our campus ministry in this too, but how can I make sure that I'm not just developing all of my time in this area? And think about what we can do to make the flesh something that we're not bound down to, but we can use areas of our flesh to bow down to God. So those are the three areas. You know, you think about those different things. Thinking about bowing down to the flesh. Thinking about bowing down to the church. And thinking about bowing down to the normal day-to-day -day life, right? And we see those different results. We see the result of death. We see hypocrisy. We see immaturity. And those things are very apparent in our churches. Um, but when we bow down to God, we see something completely different, right? <coughs> we see a whole other life. We see something completely different and better and greater and, and more productive. And we need to figure out, you know, how can we do that? What, what should bowing down to God look like? Well, I have three areas for you that I think when we choose to bow down to God, we can have this kind of benefit show up in our life. And the first one is sacrifice. You know, we bow down to God through sacrifice. It says in Matthew 16, 25, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. You know, thinking about what, what do you have going on in your life that you can sacrifice? You know, once again, we talk about those things with the flesh. You know, your money, your time, your relationships, your hobbies. Some of those things can be sacrificed or, be, or their time can be minimized to, to open up the door for Christ. You know, I'm a baseball guy and I always think about, you know, just different sport metaphors because they're just, they come naturally. But, you know, I think about like in baseball, they, they call it like a sacrifice fly, right? They call it a sacrifice fun. And what that means is whenever you're playing baseball and you choose to hit a sacrifice fly, 
It means that your personal achievements don't matter. Your stats are okay with being lowered because what you're doing is ultimately advancing your team. You know? And I think that's the same exact way that God wants us to use sacrifice in our ministries and in our lives. That our personal achievements and accomplishments don't matter anymore. Because God's wanting us to advance his kingdom. And so looking at our lives, looking at our lifestyles, and figuring out what can I do that I'm just doing for personal gain that I can give up to help advance our ministries in God's kingdom. It says in 1 Corinthians 10, 23, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. You know, once again, talking about that idea of what we choose to consume our lives with, that it may not be sinful, but it also may not be beneficial to our ministries and to our kingdom. You know, I, like I said, I, I grew up playing baseball. I love baseball. You know, I, I played all through middle school, all through high school. And I ended up going to SIUE, and I played at SIUE at the college we go to for a year on the team. And I loved it. You know, it was, it was just repeating what I did in college or in high school, but it was at the college level, and I got to travel to all these different cities and play in all these different tournaments and things like that. And it was, it was great. But when I looked at that, and I looked at what I was doing, um, I couldn't handle it. You know, I looked at the guys on the team, and they knew I was a Christian, but they would seclude themselves from me, and they didn't want anything to do with me. And it was, it was consuming more and more time for me, and it was getting more and more practices. Um, and they are asking a lot of me. And I look at this whole idea of what I'm talking about with the flesh and my simple desires. And I try, like I said, I tried to make it sound like it was an opportunity for so long. Um, and yet it still was, but it was a non-efficient opportunity for me. And I looked at my life and I said, do I want to spend the next four years of college dragging this out to maybe get a guy? Or do I want to free up hours and hours and hours of my week to advance my ministry? And so I played baseball for one year and I quit. You know, and if you know anything about me, you know anything about me playing sports, that, that's a tough task for me to do. You know, but I look at the people and the men and the women that I've met from quitting baseball, from the times that I got to go to events on campus and from the times that I got to be in the dorms and the development that I got to have and the relationships I got to have because I wasn't out of town on the weekends. And I'm so glad I quit. You know, I'm so glad I got to advance God's kingdom because I chose to take something that I had an interest in in my life, and I chose to sacrifice that. And, like, I would still do things from time to time with, with baseball and slow-pitch softball because if you know anything about baseball, once you get older, you don't play baseball anymore. You play slow-pitch softball <laughs> because they throw it like this, you know? And so you don't have to worry about, like, working out or staying in shape because the ball's coming in like this, you know? <laughs> so... You know, I would, I would still do that every once in a while. I'd be like, yeah, man, I'm so good. And, like, I made me feel good about myself. And there were still opportunities there for me, but it still wasn't the same, you know? Um, but it was cool to incorporate myself in something that I used to be good at. And I can have those conversations and those relationships now because of those. And so just because you look at something and you're like, man, if I sacrifice this, my life is going to be so boring or it's gonna, there's going to be a piece of me that's missing, it's, I, I, you know, from personal experience, it's not going to be like that. You know, a lot of reasons that I stuck with baseball and I made it such a pride thing was because I didn't have a dad growing up, and there was a hole in my heart with baseball filled. And for me, it was hard for me to give that up, you know. And I look at my life now, even after giving it up, and I think that God has filled my heart with so much more, so much more than, uh, than baseball ever did. 
you know, but sometimes it's taking those sacrifices of things that you've held on to for so long to help God be a part of that life. And so sacrifice is a huge area that we need to, if we're going to bow down to God, we need to reflect in our own lives and figure out what needs to be sacrificed. Um, so not only sacrifice, but submission. You know, we need to have this idea of submission. It says in John 12, 49, For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. And you look at what Jesus had to do. You look at his ministry and look at what he did here on earth. And he straight up just comes in and is like, everything that I'm talking about, it's not my ideas. It's not the way that I think it should be done. But it's coming from the big man upstairs. Right? And so many times in our lives or in our ministries or in our churches, you know, we think they're like, I know how to do stuff. Right? Like, I know how to get things done. I don't, I don't need to do it your way or there's a, there's a different way or there's a better way. Well, you know, the idea of submission for God is to understand that it doesn't always have to be your way. You know? Jesus Christ came and said, it's not my way. And so when you look at God's way, when you look at our ministry's way, and look at our church's way of how we do things and choose to submit to those. You know, that was a huge thing for me. I was so prideful growing up in maturity with Christ. And I was so about, there's such a better way to do this. There's a more efficient way to do this. There's A, B, and C on how to do this. And I would always question my leadership. And I would always, in a non-productive way, I do think you need to question your leadership for growth and maturity. But when you question for pride and arrogance, it's, it's, it's not needed. You know, it's not beneficial. Um, and that's what I did. Why do we got to do it like this? Oh, we got it. I don't understand why the chairs are lined up like this. You know, why couldn't we line the chairs up this way? <laughs> you know, um, believe me or not, that is literally quite what's happened in a lot of churches. <laughs> you know, the, the way the chairs are lined up um, at my old church, there was like this tool that they would use for chairs. And I, I kid you not, if there was like a campus event in there the night before, like we would, we would usually probably capture the flag like the night before when I call the chairs. If there was one chair out of place, I was getting approached, or somebody in our campus ministry was getting approached and being like, these chairs are set up terrible. <laughs> you know, like, you need to do a better job setting up these chairs. I'm like, oh yeah, don't, don't worry about thanking me for the 15 new people that were in our church yesterday playing an awesome game, but you're going to talk about this one chair, right? And, you know, that was kind of a ramp up. I was going on that. But, um, just the, the whole idea of submitting, you know, and not griping and not complaining about certain things. But in our ministries, believe it or not, your, your leadership is in leadership because they've been trained and because they have experience and because they, they know what they're doing. And if they don't know what they're doing, they're going to show humility in that. And your roles as, as campus students and as interns or as trainees is to watch that and mimic that and support that and submit to that. And just really making sure that whenever we're choosing to look at our relationships within our churches and within our leaderships um, and within your own personal life, to not resist. You know, it's, it says there, he didn't, he didn't speak on his own, but he spoke from the Father. Don't resist God using you in your life. Don't resist that urge. Don't resist what he's wanting you to do that. Move past your comfort zone. Move past what you think is okay and submit be okay with that. And when you choose to do that, you will learn a whole lot. A lot of times when that pride would show up and that arrogance on how I thought it needed to be done would show up, usually when I was informed of how things would be done, I was like, oh, 
I didn't even think of it like that. Like, that makes sense why you're choosing to say it that way, or why we're doing it that way, or why we're evangelizing this way. And so, just choosing to have an open mind instead of, you know, building up that, that pride and that anger of why has it got to be done this certain way. And so, not only do we need to sacrifice, and not only do we need to submit, but the last thing we need to do is we need to seek truth. We need to seek truth in our lives. John 15, 15 says, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know what his master's business is. Instead, I call you friends. For everyone that I've learned, for everything that I've learned from my father, I've made known, I've made known to you. The Bible isn't meant to be a secret. You know, it's not meant to be this holy, coveted book that's, that's hidden from the membership, but it's meant for everyone. It's not just for preachers or leaders, whatever it is, but it's meant to be open and discovered by the entire congregation. It's meant to be discovered by every disciple, by every person who wants to even seek and investigate God. And it's our responsibility to take advantage of that. You know, it should not, it should not be hidden. And what that means is that there, there needs to be personal growth. There needs to be reading the Bible on your own. There needs, you don't need to just wait till Sunday or wait till small group time or wait till guy time or whatever it is to open up the Bible. But it's your role and responsibility as a disciple to seek out the truth yourself. To look for God's word, to look for growth, look for learning on your own and bring that to the table. You're supposed to be, we're supposed to be bringing new things. You know, so many times our campus ministries are set on a, on a point, man, right? That the campus ministers are like the leaders and it's their job to give growth to the group. That's so backwards on how the Bible explains it. Discipleship is meant to be universal. There should be different people bringing different elements and different things. And one of the things that I'm so proud of as a campus minister is whenever we have a small group time or something like that, and I hear when people speak up, they're like, you know, I was reading this week on a certain topic and this was some of the scriptures that I read. And I'm like, Yes. You know, like, it's so awesome to see people getting into the Word themselves and looking through the Word and, and bringing that to the group and, and contributing and showing, you know, I'm just trying to seek truth. And, you know, it's great that we're having small group times and, and we're getting these individual times and I'm getting a lot of growth from this too, but I'm also getting more and more from my one-on-one -on -one time with God. I'm getting a lot of growth from what God is trying to communicate to me. And all we have to do is just seek it out. Right? Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. God pretty much says, hey, all you got to do is ask. All you got to do is just put the effort forward. Make the action yourself and I'll give you the reward. And that's what we need to look at in our lives. We need to seek this truth. We need to find how these things should show up in our lives. Um, but so many times, like I said, we, we get caught up in that church mentality and we get caught up that it's the campus minister's role or it's my leader's role to, to make me grow and to make me a better man or a better wife or, or whatever it may be one day or a better evangelist. They contribute, yes, but it's not their, it's not their job. You have, you have your own responsibilities and one day you're going to have to give an account for your life to God one day and not say, I had a really good campus minister that uh, they said they're going to get me into. <laughs> they, said, they said I'm on that tab. Uh, that's not how it works. So just go ahead and make sure that you guys look to seek truth yourselves in your lives and just try to figure out what you can do um, through that.
And I really do think, you know, it's, it's really cool, like I said, to come to CMU and to see all the new faces and to see some of the old faces as well. And it's cool to see it's getting bigger and bigger. And it's really cool to understand that we're, we're a workshop that's empowering and growing and we're, and we're changing the world and we're going from nation to nation. And it's cool to see that we do have disciples in different countries and different places um, just really trying to expand God's word and God's kingdom. But it's so easy that idolatry can show up at the, at the least at the least amount of time. When you least expect it, it will swoop in um, and become a new God for you. And so these are things that, you know, when you look at when you look at these ideas of idolatry, this isn't one quick fix. Idolatry is not a quick fix. It's something that's always going to fester in your life and it's always going to be there to try to see its way back in. And so having an honest awareness of where you're on these kind of things. And being bold enough to talk to your small group or talk to people around you, you know, idolatry isn't going to be able to be fixed by yourself. If you're so caught up in idolatry, it's the same thing as addiction. Who's ever said as an, as an addict, I can get through this myself, right? Where do they end up? Right back where they started. Idolatry is the same way. When you choose to worship something that's not God for a long time, you become addicted to it. And you need other people in your life to help you get you out of it. And so I really do pray that we can look at these ideas in our lives and go back to our college campuses and really show this new semester, this fall semester, um, what bowing down to God will look like. Because there's going to be other campus ministries there. There's going to be other groups there that claim to be Christians. And they're going to be bowing down to something that's not God at all. And it's going to be our role to go there and show them what's right. Let's pray. <laughs> God, I just want to thank you so much. Uh, just for this topic of idolatry, you know, it, it does really challenge my life, and it's really cool to get a certain topic to look into and then just reflect on in my life. And I do think there are a lot of things in my life that, you know, I thought that were just random things that were good for the ministry, but when I honestly look at it, there's been some idolatry going on. There's been some things in my life that I'm just like, God, this isn't beneficial to you. This is not expanding your kingdom. This is the time that I'm putting in certain things. Uh, it's just, it's not good. And uh, you know, I pray I just get back to the idea of sacrificing for you and submitting to you and seeking the truth out myself. Um, I pray that everyone's going to look at these qualities as well. Um, and just our ultimate goal is to please you and to serve you and to bow down to you. Um, and so many times I just forget that. Word. So just help me to remember to, to bow down to you uh, through my actions and through my life and not just through an action of prayer. Um, prayer is important that's needed, but I, I, I do know, God, that you want us to you want us to bow down to you through our lifestyles and not just through a, a book of prayer. Really. So um, I just pray that we can really reflect on these things and be more mature Christians and uh, love on you and I pray for this weekend and